Rick is teaching from Psalm 103, 1 through 5 this morning. It says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is, in within, that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit? Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy? Who satisfies you with good? Everybody, how's it going? <laughs> I love how this just kind of like grows a little bit. There's little murmur mumbles, and then eventually somebody with an audible voice says something like appropriate, um, and then we all giggle. Can we do that again next week? You just whatever. The same thing we just did that we do every week. <laughs> Oh, man, that was fantastic, Travis. Well done, sir. Um, let's, uh, okay, this is, this is good that we're, we're giggling because um, I believe that what God is going to share with us this morning from Psalm 103 is giggle-worthy in that it's really, really cool and really incredible news and ought to make us just feel happy. Um, and that's, that's really good. So let's, let's pray. God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and thank you for your word, and thank you for the truth of Psalm 103 and who you are. God, I pray that you would bring our hearts and our minds and our thoughts and, and focus them in on who you are, Father. And I pray that those things make, a, make us smile and make us happy and... Um, Make us just want to engage with you. You are a good and perfect and holy and incredible God. And uh, I thank you for being that. And I thank you for being intimate with us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Um, so this is the last week of our psalm series. So if you've been planning to write something or draw something or do something on the board, today is the day. Um, so feel free at any point if God strikes you to stand up in the middle of the sermon and walk back there and grab a sharpie and and draw or write or color or be creative on that board. Um, uh, so this is this is your last day. This is your last chance to do that. Um, but it's and some people have done some really good stuff so far. But I want us to to center in Th- this message this morning. Really kind of lends itself to that idea because we're going to lay hold of five attributes of of who God is in the midst of them. Um, one of my roles as, as pastor is also the role of a coach on a sports team, and it's to ignite something that already exists within you. you ever, if, you've, if you've been on a sports team or a team of any kind, you know one of the, the roles of the leader is to kind of make you aware of the truth that's within you and kind of fan it into a flame and draw that out of you. One of my roles as pastor is that same thing. It's to draw out of you the truth of what's in you that God has put there. And that's the role of this psalm, and that's the role of David's intent here. So, the first two verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That's kind of the heart of what I'm talking about. Um, Jared Wilson is a a leading thinker in Kansas City, and he says this to pastors, lead the church 
not in telling them how to behave, but in helping them to behold. I want you to think about that for a second. One of the roles is, as that I have for you as, as a pastor to you is not to tell you how to behave, but instead behold, have you behold the beauty and wonder of God that loves you so much that he would send his son to die for you. So my job is not to tell you what to do or, or how to do it or any of that stuff, but instead show you who God is because it's in the beholding that the behavior follows, not the other way around. You don't need to do anything to see the beauty of God, but it's the beauty of God that changes the way you think and see and engage with this world. Um, And the psalm is a, a perfect example of that. Let's go back to those first two verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. There is a literary device that's being used by David here. And, and this is literature. This is, David is writing, a, writing poetry for, to lead the church, to lead his church, to lead the church that he was a part of, the people of God, to lead them to engage with God and to lead his own heart to engage with God. And by the way, this is kind of run throughout this psalm. This is David preaching to his own heart, a skill that is crucial for every follower of Christ to learn to preach to your own heart. And that's what these first two verses are. So the literary device is repetition. And David here is using repetition as a literary device to convince himself of something that he knows to be true practically and philosophically, but maybe not so much in the moments. Do you have something like that in your life where you, you believe something philosophically but you may or may not believe it in that moment. This is David encouraging his own soul. It's very similar to uh, a coach or a teacher or uh, a boss giving encouragement to someone to to have them to rise up to be able to do something. Um, Bless the Lord, O my soul, is a repetitive phrase that's intended to be self-motivating. He's encouraging his own soul encouraging the souls who will read this to hear this and understand that we would not forget his benefits. And that's why I said at the beginning that what we're going to see today, what we're going to think about today is, is kind of giggle worthy and that it's like, wow, this is incredible. This is great. In light of that, so David encouraging his own soul and encouraging the souls of those around him, this is an, an underline to the fact that community is so vitally important for us. It's vitally important for you because here, here's a, maybe a, not a smile worthy thing is that um, I think for my own heart and probably for some of your hearts that it's been a dark season and maybe a discouraging and, and insecure season as a pastor. It's, it's really easy to get insecure and go to dark places. And I think I've been there for a couple of weeks, but that's where this passage And living in community is so absolutely important because left to our own, we're going to live in dark places. We're going to be insecure. We're going to be doubtful. We're going to believe lies of the enemy. But God has provided for us two things. One, his holy word. And two, community to, to help us to fight through that. So David starts this psalm with a deep self-motivation of, come on, let's do this. Um, so 
what I want to do is walk through five things about who God is and under this idea, what God does is who God is. Let's say that again. What God does is who God is. And I don't know about the tense of all those verbs or whatever, but just pretend if they're wrong, pretend they're right, just for a few minutes with me. What God is, what God does is who God is. Last night, uh, my wife and I went out on a date, just a, little, a quick little date to a little place in Ferguson and uh, came home from that date. And usually when we walk in the door, our dog is bounding up the stairs or bounding from wherever she is, excited to come home, that we've come home to see her. And she's really excited. But last night, that didn't happen. Usually, when you walk in the front door, if Hazel doesn't greet you with incredible excitement, then she's done something wrong in the last little bit. And so we instantly, where's Hazel? She's either in her kennel, chained up, which my kids tend to do because they don't want to deal with her, or she's done something wrong. Uh, They're both looking at me like, they don't do that. Yes, you do. Um, so she, but last night she'd done something wrong. I looked to my left and there's a bunch of trash laying in the floor. And then we walk into the kitchen and by the, the trash can, there's more trash laying in the floor. And our first reaction is to get mad at the dog for doing what she's not supposed to do. But then I think about it and like at her core, she's a scavenger. She's a dog. Like her innate sense of nature is designed to seek out food at any cost. And that's what she did. So I can't really be mad at Hazel for being a dog. I can be mad at my kids for not keeping her from getting in the trash can, which I was. And she's, Mia's defending herself in this moment. Um, But I, I want you to know that what Hazel does is what Hazel is. If you leave her alone, she's going to get in the trash can. What God is, what God does, is what God is. And this is the beautiful thing. This is the God that we serve that loves you so much that he did a whole bunch so that you could be in relationship with him. And that what he does is what he is. That just makes my heart want to sing. Especially because I know these five things that Psalm 103 talks about. First, he says, who has forgiven all your iniquity? This is who God is. God forgives your iniquity. What God does, forgiving, is who God is. I want to say this again. He forgives all your iniquity. All of them. And this, the, the cool part about this is there's several different words that are used throughout Scripture for sin in some capacity. David chooses iniquity here. Iniquity is a very specific misstep. So a very specific misstep. God forgives all of your very specific missteps. That's incredible. All is a big word. Do you know what all means? All. I I don't know how to define all other than all. 
Awe is a big word. Let that sit. Yesterday's sins, today's sins, and tomorrow's sins. Do you know God is not captured by time? So when, when God says he forgives all your specific sins and missteps, he's meaning all of them. Before you were even a thought in your parents' minds, David wrote this truthful about who God is. All your iniquities have been forgiven and paid for by Jesus. Rest. God, what God does is who God is. He is forgiving. Any beating up of, you, of yourself, any bringing up of former sins to bring condemnation from you is a lie from your enemy who can only hurt you by getting you to believe something that's not true. Do you hear me? Anything that is brought up into your mind that brings condemnation or shame to your own heart is a lie from the enemy because the truth is everything is forgiven. Yesterday's, today's, and tomorrow's forgiven. He forgives all your iniquity. He also heals all your diseases. Scholars believe that David was in the middle of of fighting a particular disease when he wrote this, but scholars also believe he's talking in a broad general perspective of sin. God heals the disease that causes your sin. Um, There's a movie called Dead Man Walking. It was out, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, Sean Penn and Susan Sarandon. And Susan Sarandon is a nun, and uh, and Sean Penn is a... uh, guy on, on death row. And eventually at the end of the movie, he's executed. And the whole, through the whole movie, um, Sean Penn is this, he's a liar, he's a nasty human being, he has, he's a, a rapist and a murderer, he's a terrible person. And Susan Sarandon's role throughout the whole movie is to try to draw out of him the good that's in him. And there's very little that's good that's in him. And the whole time, he's saying, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. All these people are out to get me. I spent my whole life chasing a lie, and and all these people have been lying about me my entire life. I'm not the one that's at fault. This world is the one that's at fault. And he's saying this over and over and over again, but he's just a terrible man. And so they, they go, there's some foreshadowing that's happened in the movie and retrospection that's happened in the movie, too. You know that... He actually did all the things he's been accused of doing, and it's, it's an evil, evil man doing evil things. But just before he takes the walk to his execution, he confesses, and he takes ownership of all that he's done, and he, he says, I want to receive the redemption that God has given to me. And as he's walking from his cell to the death chamber, he screams this. I want to get it right. He says, I'm done with this. No more bars, no more cells, no more life in a cage. And I want you to, to see that context. An evil man who's done nothing but evil and run from the evil that's in his heart his whole life until the last few seconds of his breathing life, he confesses and repents and receives forgiveness for the first time in his life. And his response to that is, I am now in a place where I'm done with this body, this sin-soaked, awful, grotesque body and this sin-soaked world. As I watch this scene, that's what, what I thought of. Um, and then I think about the Lord heals your diseases. And I, and I, 
every, it seems like all of the, the big issues of our day, um, racism, uh, refugee crisis, and all of the, the, all the stuff that just gives us angst. When you, when you get on Twitter and it makes you want to, or Facebook, it makes you want to shake your head, it makes you get angry, and, and all of the battles and the wars that this world is facing. Uh, America, like we have an incredible amount of really intense things that we fight about. And I think, like there's no answer to any of these questions. There's no answer to any of the, of, of, of racism, of hatred, of, of brutality, of, of, there's no answer to any of it. And then I see this, the Lord heals all your diseases, all the crap that we deal with in our world that makes us so frustrated is a result of your sin and my sin and our sin in this broken, putrid world. But God promises, God does what he is. And he heals our disease so that one day we will get to proclaim, I'm done with this. No more bars, no more cells, no more life in a cage. That is incredible news. All of the frustration, next time you get on social media and you get frustrated by the hate, hear the Lord proclaim to you, he's healing your diseases. That's incredible news. The, last, the, the third one that he promises who he is, Psalm 103, verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit. God, what God does is who God is. God redeems. Redeems is this Hebrew word, something that is hopelessly lost or broken, being brought in and cared for and nurtured to its full purpose and meaning. I'm going to read that again because it's beautiful and profound and makes me, I, I, I keep saying giggle worthy, maybe you're not like me, but like when you, when I lay hold of something that's really incredible, it just makes me want to giggle. Maybe you just want to smile, maybe you just want to sigh or take a deep breath, whatever. This is sigh worthy or deep breath worthy or giggle worthy or smile worthy, whatever. God does what God is and he's redeeming, and he redeems your life from the pit. And redeems means something that's hopelessly lost or broken. You and I, our spirits, what we do, our behavior, everything is broken. Our world is broken hopelessly. That thing being brought in and cared for and nurtured to its full purpose and meaning. You see what I mean? That's like, that's like, that's smile-worthy, giggle-worthy, whatever it is that you want to think. Our world, our nation, my heart, racism, classism, the church, this church, my insecurity, your insecurity, my failure, your failure, my marriage, your marriage, wayward children. All of these things that bring us turmoil and stress and strife and frustration all will be redeemed. Restored to its original purpose and meaning and function. Think about it. What's broken in you? What's broken in you? What's broken in your world? Understand that the goal of this psalm, and even to a greater degree, the goal of all of Scripture, 
is to convince you that one day that will be redeemed to its original intended purpose and state. Think about the, the awful grotesque, what all the angst that our nation has felt for the last eight years about racism. It's gonna, God's going to redeem it. God's going to bring that hopelessly broken thing and bring it into himself and nurture it and protect it to where, to where race and the beauty that race can be and our, our differences and our, our viewpoints and our stances and our lives and all of those beautiful different things can come together and we can see the unity that God intends for us. God is redeeming all things. So I want you, here's a, here's a challenge for you this week in a, in a still moment of, of quiet time or thinking or a drive to work. Think about the thing in your life, <coughs> excuse me, think about the thing in you or the thing in your world that's broken, that just is frustrating. And then, as David has done, encourage your soul to believe the truth that God will redeem that. Incredible. The second half of verse 4 is the fourth thing that God, what God does is who God is. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Do you know that feeling when you've been working outside and it's really hot and humid? You've been outside for a long time and you're just sweaty and it's, you just are just like down to the, your bones, you're hot. And then you walk into a room with air conditioning. You know that feeling? You know what I'm talking about? That's crowns. Like you're completely surrounded by a state of being that's different. All the time you're surrounded by that. It's like the difference between being caught in the rain and being in a pool. One way you get pretty wet. The other way you're completely wet. Not a square inch of you is dry. And there's no umbrella that's going to keep you dry from being in a pool. This is what crowns means. When God crowns you with something, there's not a square inch of you that's not affected by what he's crowned you with. Do you follow that? So what's he crowned you with? Steadfast love and mercy. There's not a square inch of your soul, of your being, that's not affected by the steadfast love of God and his mercy. The next time you believe a stupid lie about yourself, say to your enemy, Satan, I am crowned, I am only affected by the steadfast love and mercy of my God. It's incredible. You are fully loved. It's not what you do or what you don't do that brings this love. It's who God is. Do you hear me say that? 
You do nothing and can do nothing to earn the, to be crowned with steadfast love. He did it to you. You are loved. It's not what you do or what you don't do that makes you loved. You are loved. Fully and eternally. Mercy. You have mercy. Fully and eternally. Not because of what you've done, but because of who he is. Any punishment that's due to you for your sin has been removed. Any punishment that's due to you has been removed. The last thing, verse 5, of who God is who satisfies you with good. To be good, to be satisfied, is to be filled, sated, or completely saturated. Imagine a spill on a countertop. It's not hard for me to do. I do it once or twice a week. Spill something on a countertop, and I grab a paper towel, and I wipe up the paper towel. My wife is looking at me like, no, he doesn't do that. (laughs) I leave it for you to do. Um, uh, But the point is not whether or not I'm a good husband. The point is the paper towel and the spill. To be completely saturated, to be satisfied, is like that towel. It, like there, it, it can't soak up anymore. It's completely saturated. Its, it's purpose to, to, to draw water has been satisfied. It's, there's nothing left to soak in. You follow that? You've been who God is, is satisfying with good. Um, I just, I, I want to just pause and just think about this. And I'll go back to the beginning And Jared's, Jared Wilson's instructions to the pastor for his church lead the church in not telling them how to behave, but in helping them to behold, this is your God. Forgives all your iniquity. Heals all your diseases. Redeems your life from the pit. Crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. And satisfies you with good. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are all of these things. God, I pray that you would cause our hearts to smile. I pray that you would cause our, however it is that we express joy and happiness whether it's a giggle or a smile or a sigh or a pen to a paper journaling, I pray that you would initiate that within us, Father, and we would respond with worship and joy because of who you are. And God, I pray that you would draw us as a church together in unity around how incredibly beautiful you are. God, and I pray for those things in our world that frustrate us, that make us want to gossip, 
that, that make us want to type on social media. I'll, I pray that you would just send those things, those ideas, those thoughts away from us. And instead, would you redeem those thoughts and, and replace them with thoughts of how incredibly good and loving and kind and merciful you are. God, would you convince us of the truth that we are crowned with steadfast love and mercy, that our lives are redeemed from the pit, that you have forgiven us of all of our sins, that you have healed all of our diseases. God, and may our response be one of just happiness. God, thank you for this this place. Imperfect people in an imperfect way trying to know you better. God, encourage our souls for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you that you are good. Thank you for satisfying our souls. Thank you for crowning us with steadfast love and mercy. Thank you for redeeming our lives from the pit. Thank you for healing our diseases and thank you for forgiving our sin. It's in Christ's perfect name that I pray. Amen.